Hello and welcome to Blether, the bitchy side of the Scottish Football Monitor. I'm Big Pink, and over the course of the next hour or so here at Bampot Central, I'll be asking former Celtic and Scotland right back Jim Craig, how many dentists do you know who accept NHS patients these days? <laughs> Jim will be giving us his views on football and he'll be talking about a new project he's about to embark on and more on that later. Making up the uh, great triumvirate that is tonight's show, Ian again, one of our motherable supporting uh, chums, uh, is uh, going to be uh, joining us in the great dog and bone. This week, Aberdeen won 11 games en route to lifting the Cup Winners' Cup in 1983. Uh, and uh, they'll need to win eight matches to qualify for the group stage of this year's Europa League. Go figure that one. Uh, news also that St Johnson are set to, fed, uh, to face Red Star Belgrade in the Europa League qualifying if they beat the Armenian side Alash Kert. News is now emerging uh, that Tommy Wright has promised John Sutton that he doesn't have to fly to Belgrade if he scores two goals and sets up another two. Anyway, first off, uh, before we do anything else, uh, some introductions. And uh, Jim Craig doesn't really need any uh, lengthy introduction. Uh, he was a member of the Celtic team that uh, swept the 1960s and was part of a revolutionary attacking football partnership, or full-back partnership, with Tommy Gemmell, with whom he has maintained a close friendship even to this day. Jim is also, as most people know, or as many people know, the undisputed uh, king of quiz ball, where he's the all-time leading goal scorer. Welcome, Jim. Thank you very much indeed, John. And uh, also, uh, welcome to the show for uh, Ian again, uh, uh, who's just back from his team's skin of the team escape from the possible relegation. Hello, Ian. Hello there, yes. Are you, are you hearing us loud and clear? Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, that's great. Uh, the, the phone line, everyone, will be open uh, in a wee while. Uh, so there's no point in contacting us just yet, uh, but we, we are available to take your comments on Twitter. Uh, you can tweet to us at uh, the SF Monitor or phone uh, when the phone lines are open. We're interested to hear from you tonight about, uh, on all aspects of football. I think some of the stuff that I touched on at the beginning, the Aberdeen situation uh, particularly, but also this uh, fussing about John Eustace coming to Rangers at the right old age of 36. Let us know what old age do you remember signing for your team and what's your a wily old bird or a turkey uh, and uh, let us know uh, at the SF Monitor on Twitter or if you decide that you want to, uh, to, to phone in to speak to us. Anyway on that Aberdeen situation, Ian what, what's your, uh, your, your take on that eight games, I think, I'll just go back to my, my notes here, I think uh, they, they, they won, uh, or they played 11 games to win the Cup Winners Cup in 1983 but they need to win eight matches to qualify just for the, the group stage in the Europa League, it's, um, it's a wee bit... Um, well, it's daunting, isn't it? Sounds as if he isn't hearing us at the moment. Uh, oh, I'm oh, sorry, I'm oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're okay. Uh, right, so, da daunting or not? I don't believe it, I think. <laughs> I think, I think, I thought you were talking to Jim there. No. no, I can well believe it. I think it would have been similar to uh, Motherwell had they got past Starn and But unfortunately, you know. But as I think that you know, if you look at a, a club with Aberdeen's pedigree in Europe, you know, uh, admittedly it's a, you know it's a few years ago now, but it does seem a wee bit. I mean, you play thirty-eight games to qualify for these games, Jim, and uh, but yet they've got to play another eight games to qualify again. That seems daft, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, and it, I think it sometimes shows how out of touch UEFA is with people in general in different countries because Tommy Wright put forward the idea that it should be regionalised and that's a very logical thing to do, isn't it? Because yeah. the smaller the club, the more it's going to cost them per capita of their population and per capita of, of how much they earn to go and fly to Armenia and yeah. stuff like that. You know, I mean, a big club can, can pay that and, and not bat an eyelid about it, but the smaller clubs, you know, will struggle. And last year, a couple of Scottish clubs had to travel quite far to the, uh, the far side of Europe as yeah. well, and I see no reason why they can't be uh, regionalised in the early stages. Well, I think Sir Johnson actually lost money last year as a mm. consequence of their, their campaign. But is there an argument for saying that even if you do lose money, that, that it's um, that, that the prestige is so much that it's good for the club? It's you know, take, it gets your name talked about. For it does, but if it sends you into liquidation, then I don't think it does really much good for the future <laughs> of the club. But no, I can see your other point as well. I think it's good for prestige to be drawn against uh, different teams. But I, I still think that the group should be regionalised and I see no reason why that shouldn't start almost straight away because 
This is about a third or fourth season running when some Scottish teams have had to make extensive trips to the far side of, uh, of the European continent and, and it does them no good financially. Ian, regionalisation? Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I think three years ago it was rumoured that it was going to happen when we got the guys from Crimea. Yeah. Cuban uh, Krasnodar and just never never happened yet. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Who needs to push it? But it definitely needs to happen. I, th- I think there were also pe- people talking a few years ago about expanding the European competitions and having different league setups where you could have um, where you could have re- relegation. And uh, and promotion and and I suppose that, that would it would increase participation levels. Uh, it gives everybody a, a, a wee go, uh, but maybe a regionalisation thing could kick in there, Jim. Well, I laughed when I saw that because I was thinking that you'd have to be a really bad team in one of the, the leagues in Western Europe not to be involved in European competition because they seem to be stretching <laughs> yeah. further and further down the leagues. Mm. I think God got to draw a line, you know. But if you were going to regionalise them, then you could have more teams involved because the, 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 the games could be played pretty quickly, couldn't they? If you've got you know, yeah. groups of four, you could finish that in a month and go on to the next round quite easily. We're still That'd left, though. We, we, yeah, but, but well, that's true, Ian, but, but, but I think Motherwell, and I mean, I think every Scottish club has suffered uh, in, in the past from the fact that these qualifying games are so early in our season, mm. and yet people are still wedded to the idea that summer football is, is, is a no-no because of that traditional uh, winter game. I mean, surely it's going to give, given the coefficient is so low, it, it, it would give our teams a wee chance uh, if, they were, if, they, if they were playing football all through the summer. Yeah, I mean, I think Motherwell's still the holder of the Summer Cup, aren't they? Oh, I didn't. One, I was not aware of it. Was tried. <laughs> well, I remember Hibs winning it, but that's, I mean, I, I think that was my daddy's time. I, I, I didn't know. What, what year was that? The Motherwell won it, Ian? Well, probably about 1902 or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, what about the John Eustace uh, thing, Ian? Um, the, uh, the uh, to me, there's been a lot, an awful lot of fuss about this. You know, I mean, the, the you know the guy wants to go and play football, and he's 36. I don't think he's exactly ancient. Um, but uh, do you remember any particular uh, old geezer playing for Motherwell who turned out to be well, either as I've said earlier, either a wily old bird or a turkey? Well, a guy that was no bad was Joe Wark, who was there till he was 37. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- so. yeah, I think uh, Joe's still, still around, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 still yep. around. Uh, yeah, he's on that dementia trust thing just now. Yes, that that was what, what came to mind there, because there was a, a former colleague of mine in teaching who was, uh, who, who was a, a former Airdrie player, uh, was talking to me about that, no that no that long ago. Um, but uh, Joe Watt, I think David Cooper was was uh, getting on a wee bit when he signed for Motherwell as well, was he not? Was Joe Watt not involved yeah. in that film? Remember the film they made about... That was John Watt. Was it John? Yes. Watt, right? John, yeah. yeah right. That was John. Escape I think to victory. Yeah. One, yeah. I, th- I think they're cousins. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but... I think they're cousins uh, but uh, anyway the uh, thing about bringing an old player in John is that you're not going to bring a 36 year old and expect him to do the hard driving work in midfield that a 24 year old or a you know a 30 year old will do you're going to get him to play in a specific role where you're going to conserve his energy you're mm-hmm. going to conserve his stamina and if he can still do that and be an essential member of the team. Why shouldn't you have somebody in? With all due respect, I mean, Lubo Moravcic got a lot of praise when he played for Celtic, but yeah. he was not one of the guys that went round pressing everybody in the opposing defence. No, absolutely not. You gave the ball to him and let him do what he was good at. When David Cooper was playing, you gave the ball to him and expected him to do it. Coop didn't do a great deal of chasing back or anything like that at all. So I think the guy's age is uh, immaterial, to be quite honest, if he yeah. can still do a decent job. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think you're right. I mean, I, I think that, uh, that there are so many. I mean, the guy you played with, Ronnie Simpson, hmm. uh, who certainly uh, was, I mean, what age was Ronnie? Uh, 37, it, I think. He was 35 when he came to Celtic, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, he was 36 at the time when he made his, uh, his international debut. For debut. Scotland. That was amazing. Ag- against know? England at Wembley. When, and his first yeah. game at Queen's Park, he was 14 years and so <laughs> many months. You know, it was quite amazing. You know, yeah, it's, and also Ronnie uh, won two uh, FA Cup medals with uh, Newcastle, Newcastle fifty one and fifty two. And also, uh, not many people know this. Ian, I hope you know it as well. But Ronnie's father was one of the first stoppers in in football. 
Oh, really? Yeah, Jimmy Smith. Yeah? Yeah. He played the 30s, didn't he? Yeah, late 20s, early 30s. You know, when the the game changed after the offside law, um, people have been complaining that the the goal-scoring rate was going down. So they changed the offside law, merely from three players between you and the goal to two players between you and the goal. And the goal-scoring rate went up again. (laughs) And the crowds liked it, but the managers and coaches thought, oh, to hell with us, by the way. So they changed the attacking centre-half into the defensive stopper centre-half and Jimmy Simpson was one of the first ones to do that Ibrox OK well don't forget well, folks uh, to let, let us know uh, about uh, who your wily old turkey or uh, sorry wily old bird <laughs> or turkey is uh, in your particular team uh, but I think uh, we could talk about Motherwell just now if you don't mind uh, Ian I, I think you, Motherwell beat Rangers in the, in the, the final of the playoffs uh, the Great Escape, yep. maybe in, in in some ways. I, I mean, I, I do know that one of my my, my son's fa- uh, best friends, motherwell fanatic, um, him and his dad uh, and his sister go to go to all the games, and they were actually worried uh, that they might get Rangers. They thought that 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 uh, that, that Motherwell's uh, psychology wouldn't be suited to playing against Rangers, and that it might be better suited to playing against Hibs. And, and but they certainly acquitted themselves very well against Rangers. I mean, personally, I was more worried about Queen of the South, to be honest. Just looking at Rangers and sort of games leading up to that, I could see we were going to beat them, and I think I said so on the site. Yeah. Categorically, we were. I just believe we would. And thankfully, on the on the two days, the people all did their jobs perfectly. But it and. Sorry, Barakoff got them up for it also, you know. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about that. I think motivationally, uh, the, the Motherwell were certainly up for those games. Uh, but do you think Motherwell can grow from this? I mean, it, it was it was all in all a disappointing season, especially after when, when you look at the success I've had in the past couple of years with Stuart McCall. Uh, all of a sudden, it, it, you know, his Midas touch just turned to I don't know what, what, what's the opposite of gold. Yeah, I know. It just I, even he was totally puzzled, you know, and sort of messages he was sending to the fans, you know, he just didn't didn't get it at all. But, you know, Barraclough seems to have turned it around, he certainly seems to get Ainsworth working. Will it it grow, do you think? Hope so. Ainsworth re-signed again tonight for two years. You'll you'll have seen from all the STV and BBC (laughs) news, you know. Oh, you've no had your irony to me yet, anyway. That's for sure. <laughs> but uh, no. no, but the, actually, I was going to ask you about that actually, because, because I think that he was—I mean, he was a real star in those two playoff games, wasn't he? And at a great end. Yeah, and where where I walk down here, there's a lot of guys going watch older shot. Yeah, and they, they could not believe that was the same player. They could not believe it. He was real hitting this yeah. player for years. So, I think Barakoff's got some way of getting them going and hopefully I'll continue next year Ian I would like to ask you a question why did why was it possible that the man who inspired Motherwell for a lot of the season and Stuart McCall and got them fired up as you quite rightly said at different times why was he unable to do that when he went into Ibrox I really don't know Jim I just he, he never seemed to at Motherwell certainly trust the young players Yet when he got to Rangers, he did let a few of them get their heads. I, I honestly, I'm mystified. You know, it was certainly. I mean, I think it was it, it was a, a, a fairly sad season for uh, for Stuart McCall professionally. I mean, obviously, I think he did the right thing by leaving Motherwell. I think he did the honourable thing by, yeah. by leaving Motherwell, and he, he certainly gave Rangers a wee chance, uh, given that yeah. they, they, they were no hopers. I think before he went there, uh, but but. I suppose from his point of view, he's still got a job. I mean, Gordon Strachan still believes in him. Yes, he does have a job there, all right. But, I mean, if you're a Rangers uh, fan just now, uh, you must be in a little bit of despair because, you know, under Ali McCoy's, the team didn't play particularly well, to be very blunt about it. It didn't seem up for it. It didn't seem as though the players were desperate to put their line and put their heart and souls on the line for Rangers. And I thought the same when Stuart McCong took over and I was really surprised at that because when a new manager comes in, the first thing players do is they want to play for the new guy because they know that he's going to be the man at the end of the season who's going yeah. to keep them then or let them go. But, but that, certainly still, worked, that certainly did work for Motherwell. Though, yeah, it, it? they certainly didn't seem to be like that. Whereas when Barraclough came in, 
uh, that seemed to give the multiple players a wee boost as well, and uh, things seem to have gone very well for them. Well, Ian, last week we were talking to Ali Jambo and uh, and and asking him how he felt about next season and what he thought was a uh, was a good place for Hearts to be. Do you think that Motherwell are, are playing catch up to some extent with Hearts, or do you think that having that extra experience in the top league uh, should give them an edge over uh, the, the likes of Hearts next year? Well, it would do if we had any of the players left that were <laughs> playing again. That Rangers game, there's none of them. Not let any of them left, you know. But uh, well, we got you get Johnson one wing, Ainsworth the other wing. That's a good start. Yeah. And tonight they were saying look out for plenty more. So Scott McDonald's a possibility as well. I hear. Yeah. Still talking to him. Yeah. yeah. Still talking to him. Because he, I think he was, he was a very not the out and out goal scorer that, that I remember from uh, no, ten no. years ago, but he, but certainly I, th- I think a very influential player in the team. He certainly, to me, having the team got Ainsworth going, you know, yeah, Andy Irwin, Andy Irwin. Okay, but as you know, he's off. So well, 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 he is, and uh, but then as, as we said last week, you're as well shot at him anyway because he can't fight. Let's not bring the riot into it, alright? But anyway, uh, that's on the field. Um, off the field, Les Hutchison um, certainly seems to me to be saying the right things. Um, are the Motherwell fans uh, regarding him in, in the same way as maybe the Hearts fans? And, and I, I'm sorry to keep comparing you with Hearts all the time, but, but Hearts were a big success story last year, and Ann Budge was, was, was a, a huge success, a, a newcomer to the scene and so too is Les Hutchison. It seems to me that when he came in uh, to to, uh, to get involved in the Motherwell thing, that things all started falling into place. To me, yes, also. He's a very enthusiastic guy and he's doing a lot locally in the community as well, mm-hmm. which is really his reason for getting involved at all. Yeah, And uh, yeah, I think he's on the right lines. Does he but, get it? Does you know, the, the, the mother, the mother of uh, East Stand boys are a hard crowd to please, I'll tell you. <laughs> Does he get himself involved as much as Ann Budge has obviously done at uh, Tynecastle, Ian? I, not, not, you know, there's just not that kind of money there. But, you know, it's Motherwell, so we'll get on with it. Yeah. And he, he definitely said the future is. Uh, Developing youth and selling them—that's mm. what it's. That's what it's going to be all about. Well, it's very sensible, isn't it? Because that's uh, that's the way that a lot of clubs have to go nowadays. And um, there's no point in, you know, throwing money when you're not going to get a return. Because that's how millionaires uh, keep their money. They don't chuck it <laughs> down the drain. They hold on to True. it. And tell me, was the loss of Leanne Dempster a big one for the club? You know, he moved to Hibs. I don't. I, I... I don't really know. I, I like Leanne. I met her a couple of times, but uh, you know, I, th- I think uh, Barraclough and Les are going to have more impact, to be honest. Okay, uh, I, I was going to let you go in a couple of minutes, uh, uh, Ian, because because I know it's, it's, we, we discussed it. It's a, it's a hard gig, you know, being on the other end of the phone there. Um, uh, you know, like while uh, Jim and I are in the studio and uh, we've got all the visual cues and things like that, and you don't. Uh, but but uh, speaking of visual cues, I, I believe that there's something to do with Jim Craig's Wendy's. Hi, <laughs> um, Jim, Jim, Jim. <laughs> Mr. Craig, yeah. do you don't mind me asking you for my ball back? <laughs> <laughs> and it, it wasn't me that broke it, it was Laurie next door. Where, where was this, Ian? <laughs> Aye. Where about this? When you seen Brayhead, when <laughs> you seen Brayhead lock in the drive, eh? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, you never get your ball back, no, and it's, I think I still have it, to be quite honest. My grandchildren are kicking it around the back garden. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the, was was he a good neighbour though, uh, or, or was he a wee bit up himself, maybe a you know being a being a big international star and all that kind of stuff? Everybody was fierce, he looked pretty grim. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, listen, thanks, uh, thanks for a. Uh, um, is there any messages you want to, uh, that you want to pass on to anybody before be, before we let you go? Yeah, I'd just like to say thanks to the nine hundred and fifty boys that went to Ibrox that. Right behind the team. Thanks. That was the, they were maxed out, of course, at that as well, because that was all the tickets they could get, wasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was indeed. Yeah, and and I think they did. I think you know it, it, that that is a, a something. Just if you can hang on for a wee second, you know, that that's something that always strikes me as being. Uh, you know, I've I've been to obviously to to, to big games. You know, and big internationals, big European matches, and the supporters are are all are often uh, incredible, but. There's none more so incredible than a wee pocket of away supporters mm, stuck in a sure corner yeah. somewhere yeah. cheering on their team, is there, Jim? Well, uh, funny enough, Motherwell were involved in one of the best games I've ever seen in mm-hmm. Scottish football. And that the, was the Hibs the, game a couple of no, weeks ago? No, no, the yeah. 1990 Cup final. Oh, yes, of course. Fantastic yeah. game. Yeah. Uh, Dundee United. Yeah. The family yeah. final, is it? Yeah, the called, family yeah. final. Yeah. And I can tell you a story about that. The, the, the referee of the day told me, Davy Sime told me that uh, before the game, He'd had a look at the both teams in paper and decided that there was only two real hard men on the park. Luke Nyholt for one side, Freddie van der Hoen for another. Fully enough, both Dutchmen. Yeah. And since the old firm were not involved and the crowd was going to be a neutral crowd, if you want to put it in that sense, neither from neither half of the old firm, he decided to let play flow and he got a bad report. <coughs> really? Uh-huh. Yeah. Really? The supervisors gave him a bad report for not clamping down in early tackles. And all he did was he penalised the tackle and said to the player walking past, I saw it, son, I don't do it again. And and let the play go on, you know. And um, he, the, the supervisor said that he should have booked a few players right at the beginning of the game. And yet it was re- generally recognised as a real yeah. excellent game, a lot of football, good football played. Are you telling me that the SFA got something wrong? <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> only that day. <laughs> only, only that, that day. day. Okay, right. Ian, thanks a lot for uh, for joining us tonight, and uh, oh. uh, thanks very much for your contribution. And uh, no doubt we'll be hearing from you in the blog soon as well. Oh, uh, can you do us a wee favour? Sure. Can you play us out with twist and shout, please? <laughs> do you know you should have asked me that last night, and I would have. Uh, um, oh no! See, the thing is, because we're doing this in a budget, uh, um, I'm, I've, I'll only have one pair of arms at the moment, and. Uh, oh. Right, and, okay. and, I, and I'm, I'm doing everything. I'm even making our own sausage for Jim Craig because he came here straight for that one. But, but, um, but, All right. But, but, I'll catch you later. All the best. Thanks Jones. a lot, Ian. All the best, mate. See you. Bye. Bye. Right, thanks, thanks to Ian. Uh, and, uh, you know, Motherwell uh, do have a... They've got a big job this season, don't they? They really do have a big they job. They do. Well, John, I mean, I, you know, I, I gained a lot of uh, respect for um, all these clubs in a most unusual way because during the 90s, my four sons all played rugby for West of Scotland um, football uh, rugby club in mm-hmm. Mungai. And I followed them all over the place, you know. And then one day, sometimes, my wife would have to go in one direction to see a boy play, and I would have to go in another direction to see a kid play. And you end up in, you know, places where a good crowd would be a hundred uh, fans. Yeah. But the intensity was amazing. The, the, the drive of the, the fans was amazing. The enthusiasm of the fans was absolutely amazing. And it makes you think how important a rugby club or a football club is to the people involved. Mm-hmm. And you never think it, to be honest, you don't think of that when you're playing for a bigger club because it's vast the support that you get with a Celtic or a Rangers, you know, not only just in Scotland but throughout the world yeah. as well. Whereas, if you, you know, as, as I went up to see the boys play Kirkcaldy and you know, there was 100 folk there, and afterwards they couldn't be better with their, you know, giving you pie and a pint and all the rest of it before you drove home and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, the, the enthusiasm is tremendous. There's a, at lower levels in football as well, there's a kind of camaraderie amongst, Very much the, so. uh, amongst directors as yeah, well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I do remember a, a, a director uh, uh, of the, the late Turnbull Hutton uh, uh, who, who told me that, uh, that, he, that he loved. You know the, uh, the 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 social side of it. Uh, you know, no, you know, like like propping up a bar for hours and end. But just meeting people maybe yeah. twi- twice a season who who you hadn't seen for a wee while. Usually, of course, businessmen with roughly the same interests sometimes com- compete with each other in business outside of football as well, and and doing that catch up. And I think that the the the, the big the higher up the scale you get, directors tend to be less. Local businessmen and more, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. they're in position to, to yeah. run that particular football. Well, two three weeks ago now, Tommy Gable and myself, thanks to him by the way, because he when he was in insurance, he had one of these guys as a client. This guy invited the two of us uh, to Stirling Albion versus Stenhouse Muir, oh, yeah. second last game of the season. Oh yeah, yeah, and it was fantastic. The hospitality was amazing, and everybody couldn't have been nicer. And there was only about <laughs> eight hundred there, <laughs> so they weren't coming in through the gate, but you know. Great, yeah, and, and an exciting game on a, re- a very, very windy day and the players yeah. very quickly caught on to the fact that 
there wasn't much point in playing a great deal of football because it was too windy. So let's lamp the ball forward, and all it was end to end stuff, you know. Well, uh, that's uh, that, that's what we did over the park as well. <laughs> Very we, so, yeah. I suppose uh, the phone lines, uh, phone lines. Listen to me, how grand can it be? The phone line is uh, is is now open. Uh, it's oh uh, seven nine oh three. 050381 if you want to try and get through. Hopefully there's no technological deficit here uh, that people can't do that, but uh, as you know that these are these are trial broadcasts at the moment as well. But you can also tweet to us uh, at the SF Monitor uh, on Twitter and let us know. Remember we're asking for uh, some contributions about Aberdeen's predicament and having to pay, play eight games uh, before they even get into the Europa League proper uh, and also on the situation regarding John Eustace and do you remember any old geezers who ever signed for your club? Now, we had to let uh, Ian again go, Jim, because he said, I don't want to stick around listening to Jim Craig talking about Lisbon. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, I, I don't want to showcase that too much, but, I mean, just let's get it out of the way to some extent. But, uh, I mean, you, you tend to be introduced everywhere. I think all of the guys who played with you tend to get introduced sure. as Lisbon Lions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, and it's very much, I know it's a huge Celtic thing, of course it is, but uh, are there wider implications that, that you think, you know, in terms of the, in terms of Scotland? Very much so. I mean, up until then, um, Rangers had reached uh, a final of mm-hmm. the European Cup and, uh, and Cup failed. Winners Cup. Cup Winners' Cup, yeah, yeah. and failed. And uh, Celtic reached semi-final of the Cup Winners' Cup mm-hmm. twice, 64 and 66. Yep. And failed in those. When I say failed, I mean that's it's a terrible, cruel word to say. But they yeah. didn't get through uh, mm-hmm. to the final stages. So for a team uh, in those days, a Scottish team to make the breakthrough. And when I go anywhere, you know, and I mean I do question answer sessions uh, all over the place. I mean, last Monday I was in Glenoco Prison for a question answer They'll session. Let you as well. They let me out. And true to form, somebody asked me that question that you always get asked when you're an ex-player of a previous generation. How would you guys do today? Mm-hmm. And I always say the same thing. You've asked the question entirely the wrong way around. Yeah. It's how the guys of today would have done back then. Yeah. When you didn't have the facilities you had just now, you didn't have the training, you didn't have the gear, you didn't have all the backup that you get nowadays. We didn't have a full-time doctor back in 1966-67 at Celtic Park. John Fitzsimmons came in after he'd finished his patients at Woodside Health Centre. Yeah. Came to Celtic Park to see if there was any problems. The, the, the doctors in the minibus. Right, we didn't have a full-time physio. Yeah. Right? Um, and, uh, you know, for, for any kind of injury, you got hot water and cold water. And that was how it was treated. And then they brought out this lamp called a diathermy lamp. And Bob tried to convince, Bob Rooney, the trainer, tried to convince us all there was heat rays coming out of it, but it didn't look as though there was heat rays coming out of it. It just looked like <laughs> a kind of cone you put your knee in and nothing happened after that, you know. So, um, you know, considering what we did uh, with the background we had, two pairs of boots, one for training, one for playing and all that kind of stuff, it was a remarkable achievement. And um, unfortunately, since then, no Scottish team has ever... Well, that's, again. that's what I was going to say because that that, that year uh, that Celtic won the European Cup, Rangers were in the Cup Winners' Cup. Of course, final. yeah. Uh, Big Roger, good friend of, yeah, uh, yeah. of, of both of us, uh, actually scored a, what I thought was a good goal in yeah, that yeah, final yeah, as well, yeah. and it got chopped off. Um, I Kilmarnock, I think, got to the semi-final of the first. Well, Jock had taken Dunfermline to the semi-finals of the Cup Winners' Cup yeah, before that, a couple of years well. before it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then Hearts had done quite well earlier in the in the sixties too. Hibs, Hibs, Hibs started too. it all, yeah. of course, in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, teams in, in, in Scotland uh, doing very well, but to get to the final stage is the big one. And then when you do get to the the big moment, then you've got to rise to the challenge. And my wife gets a bit fed up with me sometimes because she'll hear me say, uh, or somebody will ask me, what does a team have to do to win this particular game? And Elizabeth mutters under her breath, firstly, rise to the occasion. <laughs> Two. <laughs> so she knows what's coming. She's not yes. Two, don't let your immediate opponent have any peace at all. And that's the two things that every player must do. And, and that's why over this last season, I mentioned earlier on, I was amazed at Rangers' performances because, to me, those two things were not there. Yeah. And they had a marvellous crowd in the serum. You know, there was nearly a packed Tybrox in the serum. Mm. And the players didn't rise to the challenge and they didn't seem too enthusiastic about putting their act together and they didn't seem to realise how important all these games were. It's funny you mention that because I remember something you told me a long time ago about um, about if you weren't having a good game 
the, the, the switch. The, the, yes, that what you do if you're not having a good game, then you just accept that you're not having a good game. It's not your day, but you make sure that the guy who's play, you're playing up against, yeah, right. uh, you annoy the life out of him. No, in, in modern terms, you become Conan a destroyer. Yes, <laughs> and I noticed a lot because Rangers were featured quite a lot on TV last year, and and I noticed that when players were off their game, they just had head they, they 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 weren't making themselves. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, like they weren't the end of opponent's face. No. Now, I was and, quite appalled at that because. Yeah. I don't know whether Ali um, was under any pressure. You don't know that kind of thing. Maybe mm. he was under pressure from behind him as well and above him as well. But he didn't seem to get the best out of players. Like I mean, I thought Ian Black was a very good player with Hearts. Yeah. And Templeton was a very good player as well. Didn't seem to do or didn't seem to play at their best when they came to Ibrooks. Um, um, and, and other players have. I think possibly underperformed over the course of two seasons now. Do you think the strategy was wrong? Do you think that, that you know when they were in the 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 third the third division it was as as was at the time, mm. um, they were they were buying players who played in the Premiership, trying to play football yes. at a time when you got to compete first. Yeah, and not worry too much about playing Celtic and, and also the, you got to win. And also the reflexes that you that are required in the third in the third division or in the bottom league aren't as yeah. you don't have to be sharp. So therefore, I mean. It's like you're not getting any match fitness no. or match practice. Well, you see, I think the boy Warburton who's gone in there, I think he's got the right idea. Yeah. He's going to buy players that he knows will be suitable for what he thinks is the occasion. And yeah. he's helped by Davy Weir. Having Davy Weir alongside him is going to be a great help to him, you know, because mm -hmm. Davy knows. I mean, he was a, a player who was a late developer Older himself. Player, yeah, 40, you know. I think he was 40 when yeah. he... In fact, was he all 40 when he signed for Well, Rangers? if I remember correctly, did he know he go to America in the scholarship? I think Davy Weir was... Uh, he may, he may well, I didn't know that. He may well anyway, he, um, he was kind of late developer, so he'll know that, you know, there's a chance for a kind of older player. And, and as long as that <coughs> older player, when he comes in, if he's got a lack of, you know, stamina nowadays or he's got a lack of pace... You don't ask him to play a role which needs that. You play. You ask him to play a role where he can use the skills he has in control and passing, yeah. and get somebody younger to do the running alongside him. So, I think that, that I think they're in good hands, and um, he's a very impressive man to go from being a, obviously a top trader, yeah, winning football and do very well with Brentford as well. I mean, um, I thought they should have beaten Middlesbrough on that particular day, but. I think sometimes necessity is a mother of invention as well. I think there's a reality now at Ibrooks that, that hasn't been there for the past couple of years about where you know where they are shopping. You know they've been wanting to shop at Harrods for the past four years when they've only had money for the bars. Sure. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, and and I think now and and I I don't mean that to sound a cruel analogy, but but the thing is that I think that they are uh, targeting. Uh, things properly they certainly seem to be at the moment certainly the choice of manager is the case but the thing is he could turn out to be a real gem uh, and they haven't spent an awful lot of money uh, in terms certainly not anything like the money that they spent on Ali McCoyst uh, so the, 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 they would lose less if, mm. if it doesn't work out that, that's the way I'm looking at it well I can tell you two stories about Joel Steen that are very relevant to this kind of situation I interviewed him when he was Scotland manager and when he was uh, a much more easy man to deal with, because um, when you were uh, elect a master servant relationship, and I'm afraid I, <laughs> I didn't go for them, so <laughs> we had our moments. <laughs> but um, he explained to me that uh, he'd gone to see the European Cup final of 1960, Real mm -hmm. Madrid nine track it's at uh, Hamden Park, a game I was at myself, schoolboys enclosure, and um, he realised that with the exception of the centre half stopper, Jesus Santa Maria. Everybody else in the Real Madrid team could get forward, could pass, could play a part in goal-achieving games yeah. or exercises that achieve a goal, right? So from the very beginning, that's what he set out to do when he came to Celtic Park. By sheer chance, he had Gemma and myself, who were very often restricted up to that point because Tom was told one day, by the way, this is a true story, Tom was told by... Um, a former manager of Celtic or coach of Celtic if you cross that halfway line once more son, you're out of the team next week and he was, he was told that surely. was there a heavy brogue attached to that <laughs> <laughs> that's what he was told <laughs> but the other story I was going to mention was that um, down at Seamill um, Jock would have a cup of tea at night time in the corner and if you had any sense you'd go and join him because he was reminiscing and he was always talking a lot of sense yeah. and he said one night there was quite a few of us sitting there Hopefully you guys will become managers yourself. Hopefully you'll get some good players in your team. Hopefully you'll reach a big occasion. And when you do reach a big occasion, you'll have a certain dilemma. Because it would be a most strange team 
if this didn't happen. Of your 11 players, you know that you rely, you can rely on seven. Mm -hmm. Seven, possibly eight, will either rise to the challenge or if they don't rise to the challenge, they'll make sure your immediate opponent yeah. is going to have a hard time of it, okay? The other three you've got to bother about. And he says, they're the ones that give you the sleepless nights because one day they might be absolutely wonderful and the next day they might be flaming awful and no use to your side at all. And your big dilemma is, should you pick somebody who is a real star but is like that yeah. or you pick somebody who's a lesser player but is more, more likely to listen to your uh, pre-match instructions and more likely to be delighted at getting the opportunity to play in a big, big game and take advantage of it. What one were you? <laughs> uh, I'd like to think I was the one that... I could have a bad game against East Fife maybe or something like that because I, I wasn't up for, you know, because it was, I, I know I don't mean disrespectfully, but they were two divisions below us, you know. Don't be, we have East Fife fans. Oh, I know that, yeah, yeah, but with, with <clears> a name, you know, is, 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 yeah, yeah. but I'd be, I'd be always there for Real Madrid. Yeah. But it was quite hard back then, John, because um, we would go to San Siro and and uh, come away with nothing each draw and, and be feted the next day and, and then on Saturday you had to go to a place that didn't inspire you and I don't mean that critically I yeah. just mean not a name could be an East Fife it could be a Still in Albion mm -hmm. it could be a, um, a Morton it could be a um, you know a Falkirk and that was their cup final yeah they're meeting this team that's been all over the papers for mm. two days how well they did in the San Siro and of course they went to you know, we'll, your bubble a we'll show them how yeah, we absolutely. can play as well. So on a Saturday, you were playing against a team that was right up for the challenge, and what a game you would get from them. Somebody mm -hmm. was talking about a league game against the, uh, East Fife. Uh, I, I don't know how, how many years ago, but the, the Celtic missed three penalties. You remember? I don't know that one. No, it, was but, it ended um, up a two-each draw. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it was at Methil. Methil, uh, yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't, I didn't remember it myself, but I remember reading about it. And if anybody's got any uh, update on that, I don't know if Jim was playing. Um, I think Murdoch missed a penalty, so there's a good chance, good chance that uh, that that, uh, that that you were playing that. Who missed your lucky? Well, apparently you, you played these five that year uh, five times. Played them twice in the league cup, league cup in the, yeah, in the yeah. qualifiers, uh, or in the the uh, the sections. Section, yeah, yeah. Uh, twice in the league, obviously, yeah. and uh, and once the Scottish Cup. Yep. and it was three wins for Celtic and two draws right. that was uh, somebody had posted that on the blog the other night but listen I mean I, I should be telling you about the history anyway because uh, because that's the next thing I want to ask you because you are a bit of a historian of the game I mean I remember uh, reading a book that you wrote uh, years ago The Line Looks Back and a lot of the book was concentrated on the, the evolving styles the evolving mm. tactics of football sure. yeah. um, do you think that the people who uh, you know, formalise the game in the in the late part of the nineteenth century. Do you think they would recognise it today? No, in, not at in terms all. of how it's played. I mean. No, they wouldn't at all. No, um, I mean it started off as, uh, as you well know, as a one-one-eight. You know, and it was a dribbling. I game. didn't know that, but I, I know. Uh, no. <laughs> Goalkeeper one half back, one full back, one full back, one half back, and eight forwards, and yeah. they just charged forward. You know, and then eventually somebody realised that if you did that, then you wouldn't go out and watch help from the guys alongside you because you couldn't pass to them when it was in a straight line. Yeah. So they then changed it a wee bit and had, it became two full-backs, two half-backs, six forwards, two through the middle, two in either wing, and that later developed to two, three, five. It was uh, Preston North End who developed that style, and that was the style that, that the teams in the 1870s, Rangers started in 1873, Celtic started in 1887. By that time, by the end of the 80s, 1880s, they were beginning to play a 2-3-5 system. Yeah. Centre-half was an attacking player, and yeah. they get more triangular passing. Yeah, on. James Kelly, who was the who, who, yeah. was, who was the the difference between Celtic uh, disappearing into obscurity, sure. apparently, and, yeah. and, and becoming the, the force that they were, was a centre-half. Yeah. But he scored a lot of goals. Yeah, he yeah. could come forward at will. Yeah. Well, as he came forward, the two full-backs topped in from their wingers and they covered in the middle and the two wing halves went out to cover the wingers so it, 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 the, the whole system altered and that lasted right through till the, the 1920s 1925 when the offside law was changed and it was amazing because uh, Scottish uh, the SFA put forward the plan mm -hmm. uh, to the international board which uh, deals with all rule changes that met in Paris and uh, they, they, it said they want to leave it exactly the same as it's worded, apart from changing one word, where it said three players between you and opposing goal, two players. Yeah. And it was three actual players 
McCracken, uh, a guy called Bill McCracken from Northern Ireland, and two English fullbacks, Morley and Montgomery of Notch County, they were the ones who cottoned on to this yeah. just after the First World War. And they would play up close to the halfway line, and as the ball was played forward, they would step forward, and the guy was getting caught offside all the yeah. time. And the crowd hated it because the goal scoring rate dropped right down, you know. So they changed the law, the goal scoring rate would back up again. Mm -hmm. And the next time, of course, the coaches and managers said, Oh, to hell with yeah. this, by the way. So Stopper Center half came in and changed it all again. And it stayed like that until uh, Brazil 4 4 2 in uh, 1958. In, uh, in Sweden, four two four, four two four, yeah. rather in, uh, in Sweden, yeah. And then Ramsey, of course, was was quite revolutionary. Although everybody, well, had, you know, had it in for him. Mate. Yeah, but common sense, he couldn't trust his wingers. So yeah. why not um, go for a four three three and see how it works? You know, and but, it worked for him. But the team you played in was four two four, four two four at that time. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and that was the, that, that was at the time thought of as being a very attacking formation. Mm -hmm. But but the thing is that I, I think no matter what formation you work, if, you, if football is as organised, as tactical and strategic, I suppose, in some ways on. Field as, as, as it is nowadays, you really need everybody to do everything, don't you? Do, you? Yeah. Which is brings you back to the Real Madrid Eintracht That's again, doesn't right. it? Yeah, 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 we're doing it. And speaking of which, Altid has uh, just tweeted that he's, uh, he's saying, Jim, I was at that Real Madrid uh, Eintracht final at Hamden. He's sitting there in his bath chair, telling us, <laughs> uh, and is uh, um, in the schoolboy enclosure. Uh, and he says, Somebody stole my crisps. Was that you? <laughs> well, ask him if he knows who the, the referee was. Uh, well, I do. I'll bet you, Pat yeah, knows yeah, who yeah. it is. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 he probably will. <laughs> but, but getting back to the history, you're talking about the, about the offside rule there. Um, in the 70s, the Driver Cup, they had a, yeah. an experiment, remember, yeah. where they, yeah. you couldn't be offside uh, in the, between the halfway line and the, in the 18 yard, yard line. line. Yeah. 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 How do you think? That, that worked out was it too confusing for, I think it for was to begin with a bit confu confusing for the players because you, by nature you don't lie up offside so I think by the time that the players twigged that they could that do they that could be. the competition was finished yes right. <laughs> you know and I think they had to if you, if you do things a few times I mean I would love to see games played with a few changes now yeah right there's things I don't like in the game right I don't like the ease with which a player can pass the ball. Now, let me say this: that when I get when I got the ball when I was playing, and it's, it's got to sound terribly old-fashioned, I would never have dreamt of passing the ball back to a goalkeeper in a million years. By the way, right? I would never have passed the ball back. Cue somebody having a sending a forty in with you no, doing this. No, centre half when I pass it, the ball to Billy either. By the way, because all passes were going forward. Yeah. Right. But now it's too easy to slip it to Billy and you get it back again and you push it across the tarm and all that kind of thing. Well, I'd like to see a game played where you couldn't do that in your own half, mm -hmm. right? You could only do it in the opposition half to see if it would help the game. I'm appalled at the pulling and shoving that goes on in the box. Um, now, I, I can hold my hand up here and say, nine years of professional footballer, I never pulled any chairs in my life because I wasn't done. That yeah. was a continental tactic that came in doing that, right? So I've got to do some of that. Also, the other thing we've we've got to think about is, you're not penalised nowadays for a, an error, or a mistake, a foul, or anything like that. A yellow card is not a punishment. It's a punishment for a future occasion. Mm -hmm. The punishment must be in the game that's being played just now. Yeah. Therefore, somebody does that, he's in the sin bin for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Player has to play, the team plays with a man short. You cannot have... Well, they do it in rugby, of course. Don't of course they do, and it works well for them. But you cannot have a punishment like a, a yellow card because it's not a punishment. He might need another four yellow cards before he reaches over the total or something like that, and that's for a future game. Yeah. You need to penalise a guy who's transgressed in the game that is being played just now because that's only fair to the opposition. Mm -hmm. if he And the one I really detest is, you know, you see a guy getting skinned in the halfway line, he pulls the jersey of the guy that's going past him, holds his hand up, and he'll say, oh, he's a very honest player. He knows he's, <laughs> only, he's, only, he's only going to get booked for it, right? And it's not a punishment, because the punishment has to come later on in the season, when he gets more yellow cards. So I would have him in the sun bin for 10 minutes. But uh, uh, is it not the case that, that, uh, that European football, world football, has, you know, there's a big mix now, it's very mm. cosmopolitan, isn't it? Uh, that, uh, that maybe all those different cultures coming into the game is, uh, are the cause of this? Oh, I think that, I mean, when we played Racing Club 1967, um, nobody had ever spat at me before. And I was quite amazed at that. And, and you know, it's, and we were, if, <laughs> 
the Scotland, if you're going to spit, you know, it's a, it's a work of a minute to get yourself worked up on it, you know, because you gather your saliva and all, <laughs> you work your cheeks, you know, and then you spit. But they would just turn to the side and spit at you as they walk past you, you know. And we were told that this was, you know, quite normal in South America for teams to do that kind of thing, so don't get upset by it. But it's really frustrating, you know. Nowadays, you know, you could pass on anything, couldn't you? But yeah. <laughs> but back then, that, that, that sort of thing wasn't thought of, but it was still a disgusting thing to do. And, I mean, we have our own our own bad habits in those days. I mean, I would, I've never pulled anybody's jersey, but I regularly tackle from behind, you know, which yeah. we get away with, you know, which nowadays, thank God, is is, uh, is banned because it caused a lot of damage and stuff like that. So. Of course, if it was done properly, it's, it's not a problem. I think you mean properly, you get the ball? Yes. <laughs> 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 as as opposed to meme the guy that you're yeah, 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 after, yeah. but you, but what about one on ones when when you're playing with people? Because I, because I know that uh, because that, that's really the rules don't matter no. when it's just you against the, a direct opponent. What's who were the opponents who uh, you don't have to mention names, but who were the opponents who you love to play against? The type of opponent, and who were the type of opponent that you didn't like to play against? I was going to say right now you don't get one on ones very often, do you? I mean, fullbacks go through a game and they very seldom have a winger up against them. Very yeah. seldom end can down the line. You can go through a full ninety minutes as a fullback nowadays without even doing that. I like playing against a thick player that didn't realise that <laughs> I was quicker than him. I would constantly try and run me down the line. Yeah. But Willie Johnson was the toughest player I had to play against. And now I'm talking about Hento um, and all the stars that I played in the quarter. Willie was as good as any of them, right? Mm -hmm. The start of the game, he was quicker than me. So I could not afford to let him go down the line. So when he got the ball, I stood in front of him. Therefore, he had to run diagonally across the park. Now, I had Murdoch waiting, right, to <laughs> come in. And he would have to take on Bobby as well. Now, what I then did was, every time Ronnie got the ball in the first half, he would roll it to me, I would take the ball towards Willie, I would knock it past him, and I would run him back towards his own goal, and he would have to chase me, yeah. very often knock the ball out, but play right. But all the time, I'm blunting this speed, because I was your kind of sprinter, middle distance man, and Willie was an out-and-out -out sprinter. Time we get to half-time, we start the second half, I'm as quick as him. Mm. And the longer the game went on, I was quicker than him, so I could afford to give him the line because I'm going to catch them. Yeah. So, you know, it's all just, you know, using your... And when my boys played rugby, for enough, when, they, when they started playing senior rugby, I said a couple of times to the older boys, um, can I tell you something? And they said to me, um, but Dad, you never played this game. I said, no, no, I'm not <laughs> going to mention tactics or anything like that. But I noticed a couple of things about your immediate opponent. Do you want me to tell you? They said, yeah, go ahead. I said, well, I noticed that he quite clearly turned left better than he turned right. So if you're running at him, you're going to go to his right-hand side mm -hmm. and not his left-hand side because he likes going to his left-hand side. He's not comfortable turning right-handed. You know, so those kind of things were what I would speak to them about. Is that kind of attention to detail something that you would uh, infer about a player yourself uh, on the field? Or would it be, or would the manager maybe say, you know, like, like this is how... Well, very quickly when when Jocelyn would put the team up on the board and all that, he, he would ask for questions. I would never ask him anything in front of everybody, but I would wait behind and he would say, ask a question. And I would say, see this guy, what's he good at? How quick is he? And I would ask those kind of questions because mm -hmm. I like to prepare beforehand, you know? And as I say, if like, Willie would be quicker than me to start the game, I could not afford to let him go down the byline because he could then go down the byline across yeah. and go to his goal. So I would have to stand in front of him and block him, you know? And... Uh, <laughs> We went to a, a do one night in St Joseph's um, Celtic Supporters Clubs in Faithfully and Willie came along because he had a pub in Kirkcaldy, you know, and uh, nice guy, I've always got on fine, Willie, you know. People yeah, used to say, yeah. a, a, lot, a lot of people who, who uh, were, were observers when you were up against them would find that quite strange. Yeah, you know? no, but I mean, at the end of the game, we shake hands and, and, and well done, son, and all that, you know, and, yeah. uh, and my wife was uh, watching one of the boys play somewhere, so I took my daughter, who was about 17, 18 at the time, and uh, we're going back in the car, and Lisa said, uh, nice man, that Mr Johnson, I said, yeah, really good guy, you know. She says, um, he was telling me he didn't like playing against you. And I said, no, no, he didn't like playing against me because <laughs> I made life difficult for him. But I think that is a defender's job to make yeah. life difficult for him, you know. And um, I sometimes see things nowadays that I think, um, <clears throat> you know, he should, he, he should be handling that situation better. 
you could read it better or you could analyse it better and it would make your life uh, a lot more comfortable. Who was the most difficult guy you can remember playing against uh, outside of Scotland? Hento. Hento. Who at the time I played against him was 37, mm -hmm. but was Grease Lightning. Absolutely Grease Lightning. Really? Still oh, quick at that I, age? I, yeah. yeah, and I couldn't, I couldn't catch him. And he was cute enough to get rid of the ball before I did catch him. You yeah. know, he, he would go like 15 yards and, <coughs> excuse me, and I'd be gaining on him and then he would just pass the ball and uh, do that there. No, I played against some good ones, you know, that Jazik of um, Red Star, Red Star, who yeah. was the uh, European Player of the Year and, and all those kind of things. And it was, and when the team was read out, I was only interested in one position, was outside left, because that was a man who made or broke uh, my day. Yeah. Really crucial, and I think that you know over the over the piece and um, you know I, I, we, in my games against Rangers, who were obviously the biggest team in Scotland outside of Celtic at that time, um, I think that Gemmell and myself did pretty well against Willie Johnson and Willie Henderson because they were two great great players to have uh, again to play against. And I think Tom handled Willie very well. And I think I handled Willie Johnson. Uh, I think if you look back at, in, in those days as well, and, <clears throat> and maybe returning to your argument about how well would players nowadays cope then, yeah. but there were players of real class playing for every, almost every oh, club that I sure. can remember. Sure, you yeah. know, there were guys yeah. who, who who I loved playing for, for every team. You're just yeah. talking about uh, Willie Henderson. But you remember uh, Willie Hamilton? Sure, Willie Hamilton. Uh, yeah. uh, what, what a wonderful player he was. Yeah, and of course, uh, Wallace came, uh, Wispy came from Hearts. He yes. was playing for them as well. Uh -huh. And uh, Hibs had a good side and Fermi had a good side. Oh, well, Pat Stanton, Peter yeah, Cormack, you know, uh, you know, Peter yeah. Maranello, yeah. you know, some some fantastic yeah. players. Uh, yeah. You know, like, you know, some of them were defenders as well. You remember the... Um, uh, what was his name? The, the right back from Dundee, Alex uh, Hamilton. Alex Hamilton, Alex Hamilton. A, a great guy because I, I I met him when I was at, when I was when I was a kid, and uh, a really really nice man. Really, well, really the story nice is told of Alex. Now it might be apocryphal or not, but it's a great story that they were waiting outside Ibrox Park. They were staying in a hotel in the centre of Glasgow. I don't mm. know which one it was, and they had a, a midweek match, and they were going to stay overnight. And the boys wanted to go out for a wee drink after the game and they were sitting there waiting for the directors and eventually Alec Hamilton said oh bugger us by the way and, and he went in because he, he drove a bus himself and he, he, got, by, he, got, by, he got behind the wheel and drove a bus up to, up to the hotel and left, left the, uh, the directors and the bus driver back in, uh, in Ibrox you know, so. so a lot, a lot of characters as oh well, very much so yeah, yeah. right um, back to the history thing um, because I know that, that, that one of the I, I know you've got this new project in the go and uh, and you you have been um, doing a, a Scottish football history for quite some mm. time on the internet, uh, and uh, that's uh, for anybody who's interested. Kearney two at, at WordPress dot com, uh, and it, it's fascinating, uh, very statistically based uh, as well. But but you've paused at uh, at nineteen sixty five. Yeah, well, I signed then for Celtic nineteen sixty five. Um, it was really strange because um, Celtic Park in those days was not a very prepossessing place. You know, it was very dark and dingy and. Uh, um, I'd been playing for university and um, the training had been taken by guys who were ex-graduates or graduates of um, Jordan Hill College. Yeah. <coughs> so it was quite well structured. We get measured runs and all that kind of thing. And uh, I went up signed for Celtic 7th of January 1965. And then I went back to train the next night and there was six lights on underneath the stand which illuminated the track on the near <laughs> side and the back side was in darkness. And when mm. I got on the track, the trainer said, uh, right, two laps, guys. So we ran up to the corner, round the back of the goals, and then a voice from one of the senior players said, whoa, and we slowed right down, <laughs> get down the back straight, and then speeded up, come into the whole seat again. You know, really strange. And um, it just was not <clears throat> what I thought it was going to be. And um, a month after I arrived, <coughs> excuse me, 9th of March, Jockstein came in. Now, apparently the training changed completely at um, during the day, but it didn't really change a great deal at night time. Which is when you were... Going which on. was when I was doing it, because I was still a dental student at the time. And I, and I played my first um, uh, game, which was a European tie, uh, against Go Ahead Eventer in uh, October. And um, I made the first team as a regular just shortly after that, and was there uh, from then on, you know. So it, it was just an amazing time. But, I mean, every morning we got um, a short sleeve singlet, which was brand new, and a jock shop, which is absolutely brand new, right? Not brand new, I mean washed. I hope right? this isn't in the too much information no, no. category. <laughs> Your jersey and pants of the day before had been hung up. Yeah. If it had been not, wet, not washed. No, just, no, no, no. Just hung, just hung up. up. Right. And in a warm room, 
right? And it, if it had been muddy the day before, they were rigid. So you had to knock the stuffing out of them to break them all up to get them on. And of course, the floor was then covered in, <laughs> in mud. And everybody had athlete's foot, you know. <laughs> Plus the fact they threw the socks of the day before on the table and you had to run and get up here. Right. right? And I, bl I blew my top one day and I, and I said to the you know, this is a bloody nuisance. I said, this is the third time this season I've had athlete's foot. And I said, you want to get yourself a washing machine and wash those socks? If you wash the socks, it would save you buying all that mice ointment that you're treating the, the athletes through with, you know. He says, when we want the benefits of your university <laughs> education, we'll ask you. <laughs> so that was me putting my place, right? And I thought I was giving good advice to what you. Were you keeping a diary at that time? A diary? Yeah. Or, you know, anything either formal or informal? No, or... mentally, yes. I mean, but you, mm. I could never forget something like that, you know. Yeah. And, um, oh, no, just, no, I wasn't suggesting no, that. No, no, you no, know, it was just uh, an amazing time. And and I find that um, if I go back and uh, I look up matches, it's strange how something occurs to you that happened yeah. during the game, you know, that you, you never, you know, thought about at the time, you know. So the idea, I think then, from 65 on was, was when, I suppose, when you established yourself. In the, well, in yeah, the I'm just telling the story of what Celtic did. I, I, what I'm going to do to start with is go back over Celtic's history and do a kind of uh, reprise of everything that happened to them, you know, yeah. very briefly, you know. Um, there are still things it's amazing when you go back and look at things it's amazing things that happened that people have never found out about like in the in 1888 just shortly after they were founded they played in the Glasgow International Exhibition of 1888 which mm -hmm. the football pitch is roughly where the Kelvin Grove um, tennis courts are just okay. now uh, yeah. off Kelvin Way they, beat, they drew one each with Abercorn and they went into the following round but nobody knows why they went into the following round because they, they, nobody can find a game where they played Abercorn again. Yeah. But they played Dumbarton Athletic in round two, but nobody seems to know. Protest, maybe. Why they got into the round There's two. There's a lot of that going on in oh, those I know days. That, but, yeah, but nobody seems to know exactly why they get into the, the next round. You know, so when you, when you read things like that, you know, it becomes a kind of, uh, you know, amazing day in your life, you know. Yeah. And Elizabeth says, you know, why, how can you spend three hours in the Mitchell Library looking up something like that? I said, because I find that fascinating. I mean, yeah. the, the fact that the first league title was shared as well. Of I course. Mean, that, that's yeah. crazy, isn't yeah, it? You know, they, they didn't have any mechanism where they could no. where, where they could separate the two no. teams. And when Celtic won the, the, the six in a row between 1905 and 1910, the first one was decided by an extra game with Rangers, who were levelling points. Yeah and level on games played. That was all they took into account. Right? No so they had an extra, an extra game. And they weren't after in those days. The referee was a Mr Kirkham from Preston. Right. To be on the safe side. <laughs> oh, so, they, so they had the external <laughs> So no local Of course, official. this is lo long before the, the sort of Rangers-Celtic rivalry that we've seen over the past. Well, there were still rivals at that time because... But not in the same no, way. No, the, the bitterness wasn't there, yeah. no, because, I mean, um, Queen's Park were always kind of very middle class and, and didn't want to get involved in the rough stuff and all yeah. that. And Thistle, uh, Parry Thistle and Clyde, Arthur Lanark, really never became big enough to be the main rivals to this team that had come in. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and I mean Celtic to start with. I mean, they they purloined some players from Hibs. I mean, it was quite disgraceful what they did. Yeah, to be so quite I'm honest, sure some Hibs supporters listening. Oh, I know that. You know, I, they, I think they were all, they, they were all alive at that time. <laughs> as well, remember you know. Of course, Celtic have never stopped doing that. Uh, I know. I mean, we, we 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 have. I mean, we're just taking two players from Dundee United this yeah. week as well, haven't they? We? You know, yeah. I always find that a bit strange, don't you? Because I mean. You don't get it so much in England, I don't think. Although you do get it. I mean, uh, Peter, Peter Cech going from Chelsea to yeah. Arsenal it strikes me as being a kind of... Um, well, Man City tried to, and, and Chelsea have, have tried to read other teams as well, haven't they? Take you do, but players. then money talks, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, the, because those two in particular have got more than most now. You know, mm. they, they seem to have more, uni more than United oh, yeah. nowadays as well. So it's, it's, it's strange. So, so the, the idea then is that uh, that you that, that you're that you're going to do a kind of reprise of up to now that you the, the history you've done has been a, a Scottish football history. Yeah, this is a reprise of, of Celtic of Celtics, history right yeah. up to the 1960s. Okay, and from then on, I'm going to do it on a kind of twice until, weekly basis and tell the story. I tell the story from your, from your point of view. From my point of view, what happened right. for Celtic that season? What happened for me that season? You know, because I spent the first six months well, sir, we won in the cup. I was in the reserve team. And um, going to all these lovely places, you know, for a midweek, getting a game, yeah. you know, and, and um, Jock was a great man for the extra game in midweek, could save you training, so we'll take you up to Cowden Beast, I'll take you up to East Fife, I'll yeah. take you over to, you know, uh, Tranent, we went one night, and this guy got off the bus, 
and he says, would you look at that, it was a Cotter's bus, <laughs> we were playing Sinent Juniors in a friendly night, <laughs> and this guy got up and he says, look at that there, by the way, look, Paris, Madrid, Rome, Sarajevo, Tranent. <laughs> 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 and I was looking. I was looking to see what he was looking at, and it didn't bother me. That was written in the side of the bus. You know? Yeah, Do you know, say that that about the um, uh, the, the after you won the European Cup uh, when you, you heard you were you were being asked to play in a, a testimonial match, and you just assumed it would be in in uh, uh, or somewhere. Uh, yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah. Like that, well, I should find it was a really difficult time because um, we had the nervous flyers that didn't want another trip, mm -hmm. and there was a few of them, by the way, right. Yeah. Well, we alluded and, to that there at the beginning yeah, of the program. Yeah, and we also had the ones who were objecting to putting our just one championship to the test against not just any opposition, but, yeah, but, but the yeah, champions yeah. The year of before, Spain, you know. And the year before. And the year would, before. Yeah. So um, everybody was a wee bit sort of, uh, well, you didn't want to play around, you know. Yeah. Um, and, but in, in actual fact, it was a, one of the best things we ever did because the praise we got, up to then people in Europe were thinking, by a fluke, yeah. beating Inter 2-1. But that night, cemented the form because we get great praise throughout Europe for us. So, so it turned out to be the, be the right move. Yeah. And I had a very embarrassing <laughs> moment halfway through because after 11 minutes or so, Alfredo Di Stefano, who had started the game, bent down and picked up the ball and I shouted for a foul. <laughs> and then I remembered it was his testimonial was, yeah. and that was him finishing and he just stood with the ball in his hands mm -hmm. and 115,000 people just rose and clapped them off the park, you know, it's quite amazing. Yeah. I've, I've often thought, you know, that, that, uh, that when when we see uh, moments in sport, and I don't think it matters what, you know, the, the level, I think that uh, if it's something that's important to you, whether it's just a, you know, a, it's, a, it's a league game in the, in, the, sure, in the bottom division or whether it is a European or a World Cup final, that the the spectator viewpoint is totally different from the viewpoint no, of, of the person who's who's involved yeah. and that's a that, that must be a special memory for you know a, a lot of the time because nobody else has got that memory you know not even your teammates no and um it, it does work out like that that everybody has their own memories of the occasion i mean uh, on the on, uh, that was a very important time for me in, in, in two ways you know you, you would have to say that the the winning of the european cup lisbon was the major highlight of my professional football career yeah but when i came back the other night I met my wife for the first time. Evening, so yeah. from the point of view of my life in general, that was the most important day yeah. of my life. I think, I think, I think you said in Twitter... <laughs> Elizabeth, did I say that right? Yeah, yeah yes, indeed. <laughs> I think you said in Twitter that uh, that you woke up uh, that morning, the 26th of May, I think it was, uh, a, a Lisbon line, and by the following morning, Elizabeth had tamed you. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but but uh, Jim Craig's uh, reminiscences, uh, reminiscences, mm. uh, reminiscences uh, will be uh, starting in, when are we going to start? Uh, August? Uh, no, we'll start uh, beginning of July, just the first week in July. About July, okay. And uh, there'll, there'll be uh, details uh, all over the internet and certainly all over uh, Jim's Twitter account as well, which is, uh, if I can, I think it's Kearney 2. Yep, it's at Kearney 2. Uh, but by the way, quickly tell people why Kearney is the nickname. Well, when I started, um, I had an ankle injury uh, halfway through my first season and um, I was coming back and at half time, Jolstein said to me, um, I'm going to move you up to centre forward because you're not getting much to do at right back and I want to see if that ankle's working. So I went up centre forward and scored two goals and there was a somebody came up and sat beside Neely Mocking mm -hmm. in the director's box and said to him, who's a big fellow up front? And Neely turned to him and said, that's this man Craig Kearney. And John Kearney. John Kearney was playing this man Craig, who's a school teacher yeah. and on television. And from that then on, that was me, Kearney. There's guys in my team that didn't know my Christian name. Because I was Kearney. <laughs> and of course, uh, uh, John Kearney was a part of that quiz ball team was, that, indeed, that we yeah. talked about. Like, Good friend of mine. As in well. fact, he was only the—I uh, think he was second to you in the top goal scorers. <laughs> 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 uh, you couldn't be Willie Wallace, could you? Yeah. Well, I, I, I do remember the racing tips on the Daily yeah, Record yeah, answer. Yeah. yeah, that was the it. other one. Was uh, he asked what Gary Owen was? That was the that was it. Uh, yeah, he, one, he, yeah. Said, he, he said it's like a racing tips yeah. Daily Well, he was quite right, which was correct. Yes, you should get the points. It was. Yeah, I remember even my mother. Was embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jim, 
Simon said, reminiscences uh, on uh, the the two years leading up to Lisbon and possibly beyond. Uh, that as well will be uh, on the internet soon. Thanks very much, Jim, uh, for uh, spending some time with us Pleasure. tonight, the Scottish Football Monitor. Uh, and uh, there'll be no program next week because uh, because we're off to uh, sunnier climbs. Uh, well, well, I'm off to some sunnier climbs anyway, and uh, we're hoping that uh, that we will take up. Uh, the uh, the baton again uh, in two weeks time but there'll be more about that uh, on the site as we as we move along in the meantime from uh, Jim uh, here in the studio and from Ian uh, thanks very much to Ian again uh, who was uh, on the telephone with us earlier on thanks a lot for joining us uh, the podcast will probably be available within three or four hours so thanks a lot folks and cheery bye